1: Hey guys, it's Lisa Stanley Arunta Yenta, and on today's episode, we have the talented Nancy Cartwright, actress voiceover, writer, producer. But you know her voice, that's for sure. She's the voice of Bart Simpson on the animated series The Simpsons, and many more animated characters on TV and in the movies. Today, we find out everything Nancy. Hi, Nancy Cartwright. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Lisa. Oh, thank you so much for making this drive, because I know where the house that Bart built is. (laughs) And it ain't close to this studio. No, it's no problem. So I really appreciate you being here. Uh, there's just so much to talk about I mean people don't realize it's not just uh, a voice uh, behind Nancy, there's so much more. There's so many layers, like an onion, if you will. That we're <laughs> going to peel back today. I mean, you're a writer. You're a producer. I can't wait to talk. I know it's a been grandmother. a while. A grandma. We're going to talk. <laughs> I called you a glamma. A. Gla- Thank That's you. That's what I called you. Uh, but let's start out with uh, people probably don't know a lot about you in general. Like you were born and date in Dayton, Ohio. Yeah. Moved to Hollywood. What? 1978. Yeah. September and 19th, 1978. I remember it well. And what was
0: your first day like? You know, it was a little scary, to be honest with you. I'd never been on an airplane before. I was... How old were you? I was 20. And I had never been on an airplane. I was with my dad. Uh, My mother had just passed away. And this was... um, this was something that I'd been planning on doing for a little bit more than a year because I was at Ohio University on a, a scholarship. I was there for a couple years, connected up with Dawes Butler, who's Huckleberry Hound, Yogi Bear, Quick Draw McGraw, Elroy Jets. He did a lot of and he was he, he became my long distance mentor long distance mentor. So I realized I couldn't stay in Ohio. I really wanted to move to California to Los Angeles to be with him. So I transferred to UCLA, Goodbye scholarship, hello theater, and I was paying out of out of state, you know, I was didn't know really a soul and here my dad Bless his heart is flying with me. I was the only only college student to have her dad go to registration that you know that next day. Okay, but that's
1: kind of <laughs> cool. And you you're the fourth out of six kids, right? Yeah, that's so right. So when mom has already passed, dad's yeah. with you now. Where are the yeah. other kids? Um, well. I was college
0: age. My older ones were out and about. They're doing their own thing. And I had and my younger brother, Frank, he was also um, pretty much out on his own. And Marsha was still at home. She's like three years younger than me. So she was still at home with with dad. And
1: did Dad stay here with you? No, no. He came and settled
0: me in. I was in the dorm, you know, got acclimated. I'll tell you what what saved me, what really saved me, because I did, once my dad left, I didn't hardly have any time to grieve the loss of my mom, but I got involved with my, my dream. I just really immersed myself. You know, there was no therapy. There was no nothing like that. It was just like I got in the theater department and started doing stuff on stage. And I had done theater, you know, growing up and stuff, but it was really competitive speaking. Well, you participated
1: that, that, in theater and yeah. band in high school, correct? Yeah, band, yeah. What
0: instrument did you play? Well, I started at age 10 with the trumpet. And I played trumpet through junior high, and then I switched over to French horn because there were I less. Love the French <laughs> horn, and no
1: women ever play the French horn. I loved it. We had a neighbor um, who played the French horn. His name was Damon Zarkoff, and my dad called him Lips. Because his <laughs> lips were always on the. A little short. bit,
0: yeah, a little bit tighter mouthpiece, but same embouchure, same thing going on there with the kisser. And I, I could play trombone. I played baritone. I played the trumpet. Uh, I think the bee horn. It looks like a. It's got a big bell. It's a trumpet, but it's got a larger bell on it. In the marching band, I played a, an alto, an alto horn, and just you know, very. It's all basically same fingering. It's you know the keys, same fingering. Can you and still playing out. I can't. I'm i am not that great i will you know i'm not gonna ask you to do anything (laughs) didn't bring my horn with me this time what you
1: don't travel with your horn
0: (laughs) i can get i can still pop out lover's
1: concerto (laughs) (laughs) all right so let's just talk a little bit about the little voice work uh, the tiny little voice work you do you discovered your talent for voice is very young right yeah yeah, how did that happen it was
0: serendipitous there was a contest when I was 10 I was in the fourth grade and they there was something posted in the cafeteria about a competition and was that on the speech team no this was before that this was it this was when I was going to catholic school and they had this competition and no there was no speech team it was just a reading of like a poem or a story and I thought I was, I wanted to do this and uh, we had the world book encyclopedia and Childcraft, and it they had science and history and they had Um, storytelling. And I, I got that book and opened it up and my mom said, yeah, I think this is a good one to tell. Just tell the story. Rudyard Kipling How the Camel Got His Hump. Long story short, I ended up turning it into a little bit of a comedy. And I won. I won the fourth grade and then the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth graders competed against each other and I won overall. And it's just that reaction that it created. First of all, that's just a tale. It's not a funny. It's not a comedy. But the way that I did it and I realized I, I could create humor and make people laugh just with who I am so I started to pursue other activities like that like being when I got to junior high and uh, I was in um, the summer youth theater company they called it sitco and it was high school kids but I was I was only 13 they were they were a bit older than me but enough older that you know getting a crush on a guy that's like 17 like wow <laughs> I hadn't even had my period yet and I'm like, <laughs> to be really, really transparent. transparent. <laughs> really be transparent. And I had a but you still crush. had a crush on somebody. Totally. It was, so, it was so innocent. And they took care of me, and we traveled around Ohio doing these original children's theater productions. But that really inspired me to then, by the time I got to, gosh, it was in... Um, You know, the junior class play in high school, and that's when they had the speech competition. And I would win. I would go and do these, you know, James Thurber, Many Moons, um, 13 Clocks, and I would go off to Urbano, Ohio, or Bowling Green, or, you know, just Cincinnati, and, and bring home first place in humorous interpretation, or after dinner speaking. And the judges would say to me, you've got an unusual voice. You should do cartoons. And? Were you I even went, thinking? Oh, were you no. even thinking that way?
1: This never even occurred to me. I was just having just fun. having a good time and probably working out the therapy part of your mom <laughs> passing. You were well. Humor at that time was very savior for
0: you. Yeah? No, because at that time she she had not passed yet. Oh no, she was around and she no, she was there through that and saw me like having fun oh. and my brothers were doing soapbox derby and little league baseball, bringing home their own trophies and first place in humorous interpretation, Nancy Carrett, and it it actually got to a point where i mean i I was winning a lot so i you know like a normal teenager i got a job got a summer job and ended up working at a radio station behind my house and a woman from warner brothers had come in and by then i had gotten a scholarship to go to ohio university and she was pitching music because it's a radio station right so but but she said you know My boss introduced me to her, and I told her I wanted to do cartoon voices, and I said, do you know Mel Blanc? I mean, Mel Blanc. Bud's Bonnie. Yeah, that's right. Tweety Bird. He he did all all the Warner Brothers stuff. And then his uh, son, Noel, took over, yes? For a little bit. Yeah, Yeah, he did. But, you know, she didn't know that part of the industry, and she said, but send me a little tape, a little something, put something together. And I had no idea what a demo tape was. This is Kettering, Ohio, you know, so not knowing anything, I just put together what I thought was a good what idea. What was your
1: first voice that you did?
0: Well, I had done something for the studio. Oh. I mean, for, for the station, for WING. I did a little promotional gimmick. Her name was Lily Pad, and it's like it was the Ken Warren show. The poolside show with Ken Warren and Lilypad, the lifeguard. And he pretended like, you know, he was sitting out, doing a show, out, sitting outside beside a pool. That's hysterical. So he'd put in, you know, discs that, back that then. they the water sound. Yeah. <laughs> so I would, you know, dive into the pool and I'd come up and, you know, and it was really a voice that was very similar to Bart. It was just a sound that was, I'm Lilypad. And it was just a little bit higher pitched than Bart. And it became a promotional gimmick, you know, for a couple years on this, couple Summers. But like
1: what goes in your mind when you're thinking about well I'm going to name this character. Did you name the character Lily Powder they named the character? I think Ken did. I so think when Ken somebody comes to you and says I have a character like for, we're going to get into Kim Possible and all these other things. Uh you just go in your head and go this is what I think they should sound like yeah because there was no there was no artwork later on when I started
0: going out for auditions and stuff and for when you do audition is there artwork usually yeah for auditions as well yeah there's artwork because they want you to see what the character looks like and you know I was even very early on I realized wow this really helps me because I can see first of all the age and I go but if it's a little character that's an animal or that's a little um you know um there's a show coming out called Ugly Dolls. That's, yes, that's coming out. They're not—I don't—they're little creatures. Yes, but you can't really tell how old they are. So I would say, well, how old? How old is this character? They say, well, like a, like an eight-year-old or like a four-year-old. So I have my idea, and you know, with Bart, for example, I like he was ten years old, and you know, I just get the idea of this is my idea of how a ten-year-old boy would sound, and and just be willing. So told
1: you how to do Bart. You just did it and they either said we like it or we don't like it. Yeah, and well, for that one, it's like I went in for Lisa. That's what I want to say. So the Bart Simpson, for those of you that don't know, the Simpsons actually started on another show called the Tracy Ullman Show, which was a variety show, yes? Yeah. And so they had this little segment, right? Mm -hmm. And you originally went in to read for another role, but when you got there, you decided you liked Bart Simpson better. Yeah, that's right, because eight-year-old middle
0: child... Compared to a 10-year-old school-hating, underachiever, and proud of it. I mean, come on. It's all—it's in the heart of all of us to be the bad boy. Yes. So, Matt, it was just Matt Groening and me. And I said, I want to do the kid. Are we cool with that? And he's like, yeah, great. Great. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, my God. That's him. You're hired. He hired on the me spots? on the spot. Wow, the spot. And, but uh, there was a drawing there and what I was saying before it's like but with Bart usually I, I look at the jawline I look how old the character is age wise not necessarily by how he looks but you know, how old is he or she and what kind of a jawline teeth what kind of teeth because if there's a split you sort of maybe want to just do a sort of a thing like this and you can ah. sort of create a lisp with, with that or if they say well Matt gave me no direction none I just did it and that was it but typically I think I swear to you that's the only show that I ever went in on where I had one voice and that was it. And Nobody usually, tried
1: to change anything. No,
0: and, and I didn't know he was gonna hire me on the spot. If he would have said to me, you know, can you make him a little older? Can you like give me he's a little tougher than that, however, what direction? An actor, I'm an actor. You, you just adjust it. you adjust, you sure. know. But with him that was it.
1: But typically, you you know, you just accommodate whatever's needed. And What wanted. about all the other characters that you do? It's thirty years later, by the way, and she's still doing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Within the first five years, all these characters were
0: um, pretty much. I, I think Bart, I'm Bart, Nelson, Ralph, Kearney, Todd, Database, and Maggie. Those are my characters on the show. And with the other ones, Bart was the only one that I auditioned for, and with all the other ones, and Lisa, this this is like n- this has never happened to me in my whole career and I don't think it happens to any I was just assigned Good, you're gonna. I go okay who's this okay Ralph Wiggum okay he's a friend and it really didn't that's it no that, detail that was it you yeah. have to create Ralph yeah and I go to the table read and I'm like wow okay I'd made a decision and bam whatever came out this is the sound that came out of my voice
1: and this was Ralph Wiggum I mean this is amazing when you think about it People probably think you just walk into a studio, get a script and start doing a voice. But no, this is so much more layered than than anybody would realize. Yeah,
0: except like what I said with The Simpsons, this was so unusual and I would open up the script and right at the top it would have Homer Simpson, Dan Castellaneta, Mark Simpson. Julie Kavner, Bart Simpson, Nancy Carwright, and then I would read down, oh, it's one page and sometimes two, sometimes into a third page of all the characters that are in the show. But as I'm scanning down, I go, wait a minute, there's my name again. Who am I now? Also, who who am I in addition to Bart? Nelson Muntz. Oh, wait, I thought so-and-so was doing that. Somebody else was, okay, so that this was early on. And it actually, it, it turned out there was another gal that was doing that voice, and They wanted to have an ensemble. Jim Brooks wanted to have an ensemble of actors six. That was it. So next thing you know, I was assigned that voice. And this actress was out. Sure, and bless her heart, she ended up passing away. You know, she was a dear friend, and
1: there was she could she couldn't have done it. You know, she couldn't yeah. have done it anyway. So she probably appreciated that you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. so. I, I would think so. Yeah. I mean, when I think about doing just talking in my voice, it's very scary. So to come up with any others to me, mm. that is like genius level as far as I'm concerned. Mm. To just look at a name and have to come up with the character, which is what you essentially do a lot of the times yeah. right
0: yeah it was uh yeah it was it, it made it very challenging and and nerve-wracking to be in a room cuz we when we do the readings it's a room full of people oh so you, you do know? like real table reads oh yeah we oh. do the readings uh and you know it's 45 minutes or so to do the reading and to do it at the reading and when, it, when they laughed thank goodness now i can relax, relax a little bit right because it's a little bit nobody the casting director Never asked to hear it ahead of
1: time. Right. It was like, oh my gosh. Okay, (laughs) fingers crossed. But there you go. Okay, now you also do sound effects. She does. She does sound effects like a leaky faucet, (laughs) right? Leaky faucet. Here we go. I'll give you a leak. tell me that doesn't sound like huh? a leaking process. <laughs> That's insane. Did you get that, Crystal? Yeah. How, how do? How did you come up with that? Like all, one day you're just around the house and decide to do that? Oh,
0: gosh. Do you use your sound the, effects
1: in any of the shows or anything? Um, you
0: know, not so much. Not so much. I do it for entertainment. I was like, going like to say, this, but your just...
1: grandchildren are oh, going to yeah. be crazy oh, yeah. in love with you.
0: But every now and then they'll have an elephant. Bart had an elephant, Stampy. So I got to do that. I think they replaced it with an actual elephant sound. (laughs) But I was the temp track for Stampy. Chalk that one up, okay? Cement mixer.
1: There you go. I mean, come on, this is just brilliant work. <laughs> I'm in all over here. I mean, well, Crystal's a huge fan of yours uh, from a long time ago. You can tell her. Kim Possible. Oh
0: yeah, I love it. we the, have a new Rufus, Kim Possible you're movie. Your Rufus, the naked mole Rufus, the naked mole cool. And, and, so and didn't we just have a new Kim Possible movie? Just yeah. came out, right? Yeah. It was on television. I'm not sure if you can still see it, but maybe you can see it. But Netflix, Netflix fun. Hulu, they all going back and doing and bringing up. Yeah you know it's like oh my gosh now I, something
1: like that do you do in a room with other people or are you in a booth by yourself you know I, I the way they did it by myself and i'm not sure why i i I'd say
0: because maybe i spit a little bit when i do when i do him <laughs> but uh you know it's such a luxury to do it by yourself i
1: i <laughs> <laughs> That, I'd like to see her doing a character and spit flying oh You oh, you know, Sorry, sorry in advance. Here, I brought an umbrella. Sorry. Okay, so you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast about um, Huckleberry Hound. How did that relationship even start? You were yeah. young, right? Yeah. And he was an older man, right? right. That's right. He Isn't was that a old little enough. strange? I think it was old enough.
0: To, he was kind of between my dad's age and a grandfather's age. He was a little bit elderly. But that woman, when I was working at the radio station, she had come in and she was promoting music, but she gave me her card and I did put a tape together and then she sent me a letter back. This was amazing to me that she was true to her word. It was amazing. Her name was something Diamond. I forget her first name but her last name was Diamond. She was really just so sweet. So she gave me her card. I I sent her a a, a tape 14 minutes long. Oh my gosh. Yeah,
1: we don't do that, right? No. Three minutes max, right? Two, like two.
0: two, You know, I can listen to a tape and tell within 15 seconds if somebody's professional or not, so I. But I didn't know, and in in a, in a way, actually, it's a good thing. And again, this is 1978. This is wasn't when cartoons were in their heyday at all. So I put it together, and it, anyway, she had a letter, and there was Filmation Studios, Walt Disney, um, Wally Burr's name was on there, and he's not, he's not around either either. But a, a great guy that I sent my. Tape to and I just started getting in touch with these people and one of the names was Dawes Butler. And I called him. It was his phone number. Was it
1: odd for women to be doing this? Because I think so. Of the I think kinda, yeah. in our world growing up. Yeah, right? that's right. That's okay. right. So was he taken aback that this lovely
0: young lady is calling him? <laughs> you know, I left a message on his answering machine and he called me back and we hit it off like like fast friends. It was amazing. And then again, like I transferred to uh, to UCLA because it was close to Dawes and we just started working together and he did not encourage me to come. He was a little concerned, kind of very, a conservative guy, but just like so helpful. He never criticized. It was always um, commenting, to, well, a, a critique that was like, that was really good. She was a little older than you and I felt you really captured the essence of this girl. Now, here's one. She She's an alien, so just have a ball with it, you know. And he was like a coach and a yeah, mentor, all in much, one. Very much, very much so. And so that when she started, boy, yeah. And when my dad and I flew out, it was just my dad and me. We went and had lunch with him, and Dawes was clearly just like he. He was shorter than me. I'm five. I'm five foot and about one inch. And just he shy was of an, smaller than yeah, you. Four ten. He was just, but with a cute. large voice. Oh, a big being, with a big, a, big, a big voice. heart, and a just. Just commanded the space. He was just really
1: such Did a sweetheart. Did you stay friendly with him up until oh, the yeah. time he oh, passed? Oh yeah. That's okay. Good. So you transferred then from voice to acting, yeah. right? And, and, you, juggling, and juggling. Right. A you're little juggling bit. a little bit of both. Were you in the original Twilight Zone? I was. You see me? <laughs> yeah. Getting eaten
0: by a cartoon wolf. <laughs> You've done your
1: homework. Yes, I yeah, have. You're such a good girl, Lisa. I just love that you wear so many hats. Um, I love that you wrote uh, your autobiography. My life as a ten-year-old boy. Yeah, and the new—I'll have a new and improved version coming out. Oh, we're we're shooting for a Christmas release.
0: Um, it's looking like it's just going to be an audio book, and I'm, you know, I'm I'm just super thrilled. I mean, it it's good. It's like it, it's, it's the medium, you know. I'll do it. I'll do it myself. Don't have to hire Jim Dale, although that guy's amazing. I'm listening to Harry Potter again.
1: He's so good. It's really great and fantastic that we're in a world now where we can have the audibles. Because yeah. so many people will not pick up a book anymore. And yeah. so many people will listen while yeah. they're in that 405 miserable traffic. Well, I think or- that's it. I think that's the yeah. reason. People want to be entertained. Yes, I agree. And like,
0: I even, you know, I'll listen to podcasts and I'll listen to Me audiobooks too. when I'm I'm doing
1: art. And it's like, I oh, like... we're going to talk about that because you had a uh, a gallery showing in Palm Springs, I believe, or Palm Desert last year right yeah a little
0: tiny little it was it was that was a gallery but i liked your your abstract work i
1: saw i looked (laughs) and i saw it and i liked it we'll talk about it again Uh, but what i what i want people to know is you turned your book into a one woman play yes um mm, yes and no um you
0: not my life as a 10 year old boy but but you adapted i went to italy and came back and did a one woman show. Ah. Yeah, it was a one woman show. Okay. And by then Was this
1: when you were uh, investigating your Fellini? <laughs> ah, we're <laughs> going to let's talk about that. Yeah, that was you co-wrote, you produced a movie in Search of Fellini, uh which was actually a prequel to the Simpsons because I was thinking you did this before. You're right. right? You're
0: absolutely right. The actual trip cuz the movie was based on You were based young, on, you were like 17. No, yes? no, no. 18? No. I was in my 20s, but still a naive, a young. I, I was pretty naive, but um, I look back at it and it was in '85. I, I did go to Italy. I was in an acting class because now, like you said, I'm balancing on camera with doing My Little Pony, Snorks, Glow Friends, Animaniacs, Pinky in the Brain. These these shows, uh, and Cheers, Cheers, Empty Nest, Mr. Belvedere,
1: Marion Rose White. Which I is love CBS the story. The I love the audition story of Cheers. Yeah, it's a good one too. Will you tell it? (laughs) Yeah, I'll tell it. After but we get through. Sure, uh, yeah. sure. It's really, really unbelievable because it's really ballsy what you did.
0: Yeah, I, well, this f- trip to Italy was pretty ballsy because I was single. It was not tourist season, so it was in the winter time. So I had blonde hair. It was
1: kind of cute. You're still blonde and you're still cute. <laughs> but go ahead. <laughs> I know, but I'm a grandma now. Anyway, um, <laughs> you know, grandmas are very young now. Hip. Not like we saw when we were growing up white hair glamma glamma you are a glamma (laughs) glamma so i had heard about i don't know that your listeners will know
0: this but you know let's let's educate them we're going to educate you you guys you know if you're interested in voiceovers and you should know some history of theater too and filmmaking but federico fellini was a pioneer and he really is he without what fellini had done for filmmaking. He was part of the evolution of this whole industry. Well, there's, the a whole he, craft there's a big industry. quote that
1: everybody says about Fellini. Whenever you see a movie that's a little quirky, oh, that must be a cast of Fellini, right?
0: Yeah, or Fellini-esque. Yes. The quality is Fellini-esque. Yes. And Martin Scorsese, and I know John Landis was a fan. Even Matt Groening was a fan. And you actually knew him. Right. Well, I went because I was studying one of Fellini's films and I was putting up scenes of that in my acting class to train as an actress and just doing a scene. And I decided I wanted to develop that movie, La Strada, as a as a theater piece. So I wanted to go to Italy to meet Fellini and get the rights to be able to do a stage performance. So I went off by
1: myself and that doesn't sound like a naive girl. That sounds well, I was like a woman to go on with a, a friend. mission. I
0: was going to go with a girlfriend, but she was an actress and she got a call back for for a show and she couldn't go. And she was going to join me later on. So there I am, thinking, "Geez, I don't know how to speak Italian. I'm going to be by myself in a land where it's strangers." And okay, I'm going. So I went, and I ended up having an odyssey. It was I ate, I drank, I fell in love, I did all this stuff. It's like eat, love, pray. <laughs> kind of yeah yeah you're absolutely right and you know it was i almost i mean it was dark i went into kind of a very Fellini esque kind of um pathological i hooked up and some guy and it was sort of a little bit of a me, a me too cord- sort of an incident that happened and i almost I, I was a little bit violated my body was a little oh, violated by dear. this guy and i was fine i he ended up believe me way more pain than me because i'm short and he was trying to kiss me and uh, i know what was, you it, did it, yeah right <laughs> in the groin baby bam bam i don't think he can have children <laughs> I got him, and I ran like a bat out of hell. I did, and I f- flip and saved my own life and oh, my own my integrity, goodness. and I'm like... That's like a Fellini movie right there. Exactly. <laughs> That's like yeah. it's right
1: there, a script.
0: Yeah, or a Jordan Peele movie. I mean, yes! this was a horror film. Yes! It was like, whoa. Yes! So I got out. By the time, let cut it. say, like By the time I got home, I realized that my story was way better for me to tell than a remake of La Strada. But But by then... I had met this guy I had fallen in love I got the Simpsons I got married got pregnant things changed fast forward move a little bit forward now to 1995 and that's when I did it as a one woman show called called, um, In Search of Fellini so that That's the name of the one-woman show. Then you go 20 years later when I had confidence, I had relationships, I had the wherewithal to be able to, you know, be able to actually do a film in Italy because in '95 there was no way that I just my. You didn't have the wherewithal. Yeah, not the wherewithal. In my own, I'm going. I'm not a filmmaker. I'm not going to do that. So. People's goals and purposes change as they evolve. You know, and I hope they should. I, hope. I mean, p- for me, my own spiritual quest as an artist, as a as a being on planet Earth, I like to continually challenge myself. And if you can get out of that safe space and do things that sort of challenge you, you know, th- the world needs more art they we need artists on this planet you know politicians have okay we won't go there but it's like I think it's the artist that actually that makes the difference our purpose line right 100
1: percent is exactly right to inspire to give hope to people to say you know you can do more you are exactly right or we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back with Nancy. Cool call
0: from mom answer it call silenced
1: You know, we were uh, talking about Fellini uh, before we broke and the fact that it took you 20 years to really figure out the whole idea of what you really wanted to do. But you did it. Yeah. And you did something that was so impressive. You just really, really, really went for it, which is something I really admire about you. You can see it on Netflix, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I watched it. I've seen it. I think everyone should see it. It's shot very Felini-esque, if you will. Oh, thanks. Don't yeah, you think? that's you know that's the genius of the director of Taron
0: Lexton. He, Were you purposely trying to do that? You know, originally it was it was a very collaborative uh, union. It really was fabulous. I'd known Taron and seen some of the stuff he had done. He's quite he was quite young. I was. I mean, we shot this in, in 2016 and I've known him since why wow, when he was 19, 20 years old so he was in his early 30s when he shot it but he knew all of, he would seen all of Fellini's films. You could tell. It didn't take much for me to say I really want you to direct this and he's the one that takes you kind of down the Fellini rabbit hole if you will and it's very um, it gets a little bit dark because there is that pathology of Fellini but yet, yet it's this true story that you'll you'll question and if you you, you want to hear the behind the scenes you can buy it for like 12 bucks or something and here Taron and me we take you
1: back a behind the scenes the commentary that's, or you can that's just very cool that you yeah. do that because I think that if people in my opinion I haven't done that but now I'm going to go back and do that mm. in my opinion you should do that first and then watch the movie I think you'll have a better understanding and you'll enjoy it more yeah I love listening to commentary and as our industry is evolving
0: kind of those those DVDs are falling out of popularity. Because it's just everything is so streamlined. However, it opens up the door to more, more production for many more people with all the platforms that they have. And me looking at my life and going, gosh, okay, now I'm a grandma and. Okay,
1: fine. So I did did Fellini, and now I'm writing. I know. I, just, I'm dying to talk about that. You actually, not only are you writing, you wrote an episode of The Simpsons! <laughs> oh my god! What a challenge! Which Lisa! Is, which is airing on the 31st of March. Mm-hmm. I am so excited. Tell us about that.
0: Well, listen, this again, I had said it earlier regarding Fellini. I wouldn't plan on being a filmmaker. Same thing with The Simpsons. I was completely happy wearing my hat doing doing the voices on that show until I did Fellini and then when I did Fellini I mean to dive into that's such a different arena doing a feature-length film compared to a three-act sitcom structure as The Simpsons is so it's just an adjustment kind of like a performer Am I performing on theater. You know, I'm going to perform at the Amundsen, so I really have to. There's projection. Of course, they use microphones, but still there's a certain projection, maybe like with uh, non-equity theater or waiver theater or whatever. But it's an adjustment that I had to make of what style of writing this is. And believe me, I had tons of backup because my story absolutely called Girls in the Band, and it focuses actually not on Bart, but on Lisa. And based on, as a kid, these competitions that I did and I was in the band and I kind of like... Me being in the band and so having a little, a little life imitating art, a, art imitating a little, life. Yeah, right? hey, write what you know, yes. do what you know, and that's how I'm. Star, I'm. I'm still. Con- I still consider myself very much a novice. You know, In Search of Fellini, I, it was co-written with a, a very dear friend, Peter Chenis, and I co-wrote that. And even The Simpsons, it's like I put my did did the pitch and everything, and then they told me right up front. Now, just so that you know. There are 20 writers on the show, and we're all gonna help you. And I'm like, okay. Thank you. <laughs> and it, it was such an amazing evolution. I'm still in it, but the writing process was extraordinary to me because they took what I did and it evolved into
1: what you're gonna see on the 31st. I cannot wait to see it. Now, let me ask you a question. You've got some uh, guest voices like J.K. Simmons, Dave yeah. Matthews of the Dave Matthews Band, That's I'm right. assuming. Was that your idea to bring them in? And do you write that for them and go to the producers? And say, Say, hey, I want these guys in this. No. That was their idea, ah, and it was so like they come to you and say you got to do yeah, something I for didn't, them.
0: I didn't do the casting on it. There definitely was. It was you know Mr. Largo, and then then the guest guy comes in. But that wasn't no, that wasn't my idea on it. I give them full credit for that. But you know, I, and I didn't even get to meet him. I was because I wasn't available when they came in to do their voices. But J.K. Simmons, the like best it, voice
1: in the world. Oh my right? gosh, the
0: best. Think of him in Whiplash, and that's all I'm going to say.
1: Oh, not very nice. So you,
0: well, it's. (laughs) I love that movie, though. Yeah. He was just, he was absolutely brilliant in that movie. And there's other references in there that you will, there's a reference of. the, the Shining, which is really dark and, and just delicious, and I am doing the scoring for it, or going to the, no, I'm not doing it, I'm going oh. to the scoring session in a couple of days, and, and, and just meet
1: the musicians, and I've done this before. What's the process of writing, how long does it take to write an episode for The Simpsons?
0: Great question. Um, it's a process that one show it takes about I, anywheres between five and eight months depending what? yeah depending upon if it's a musical and this one's sort of it's got more music in it because it because it's about Lisa Simpson competing with the band and here I am I was competing with my voice even though I was in the band it's not really about me as a musician it's me about competing but you must with use my little voice. anecdotes
1: or something yeah
0: yeah, yeah it's it was it's, it's all a big part of it and right. you just take what you know it was just an extraordinary thing and what what I am most proud of is that there are there are It's it, Carolyn O'Meany and Megan Amron are the 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 two ri- female writers that are staff writers on the show. There's also a couple other Stephanie Gillis, Deb Lacosta, um and myself. There's seven women out of the out of 19 episodes of season 30 that were women. And it's like we yes. Yeah, this is This is our time. You know, it's a small <laughs> honestly, it's it's a step in the right
1: direction, but seriously A small step. Yeah, but, but we're we'll setting we'll take it. We'll, take take it. It. we'll <laughs> yeah, we'll we do will more. We'll take it. So wait, you love writing so much that now you're actually doing another project that you're writing. Hey, got to stay busy, man. Simpson's
0: that. You I finished that. Much. I finished that. It hasn't aired yet, but I'm doing the post-production on it and well, you know, got to stay busy, but so tell us about Rhea the Naked Birdie. Okay. I would love to.
1: <laughs> are for... you doing the voices as well Absol- as writing? Yeah, absolutely.
0: Okay. Um we will see if I'm going to continue doing the voices for the actual show because whatever is whatever's best for the show is what I is the viewpoint as a producer that I look at as a voice actress I want to do all the voices. Really? Well, sure. I mean, who wouldn't, you know, Seth MacFarlane does that. So like, you yeah. know, for family, he, you mean
1: for family yeah, guys all can, the
0: voices. I can certainly do it, but is that going to help the show at, at this stage of the game? And I like the idea of of surrounding myself with other voice talent. It's it's uh, why not? Why not exactly? Well, you know, I don't have to hog it all. I no, you know, I, gotcha. I don't mean that as a slam. No, I just no, no, I, know I, what you I, I, I like to you share. You're a sharer. <laughs> I just honestly
1: it's that viewpoint of whatever's best for the show and we'll we'll find that well, out. Well that makes a good executive producer and a good writer because a good writer and a good producer does not they sacrifice themselves. For whatever's best for the project, and that's well, what you do. Thank you,
0: thank you for that. But I'm having lots of fun, and we've got this, you know, this little demo reel that people are calling us because they want to see it because they've heard about it because it was based on an actual TV show, right? No, an no? actual bird. Oh, an actual. I'm going to surprise you now. So there was a little gal. Her name is um, Isabel, and she found and she she worked for a sanctuary that. You know that, that took care help of to, birdies, yeah. That t- t- not just birdies, but animals, injured animals. I- injured animals. Yes. And she found this little bird, and it didn't have any feathers, and a little little bitty of like a bird, a sparrow? you know, four inches big. But it was a parrot. It oh. was a, um, a love bird. It was a little lovebird bird oh. parrot. Is that the same thing? No, it's a diff- little lovebird. Tiny, but totally naked, man. And she named her Rhea. And then she started videotaping and created an online little video show for her. YouTubed it. Got 500,000 fans watching this who would send in little sweaters and little hats for little Rhea. Oh. And Took care of her for about three years, oh. and my co-producers, there, there are about six of us. We. Uh, oh got this got a hold of this spoke to her and then with her agreement yeah with her agreement we've got this show now and so it really is about these other animals there's a there's a little
1: chihuahua there's a little i got um, chills nancy because (laughs) i'm gonna tell you why no i'm gonna tell you why because right now people like animals more than people in this world and to bring a little bird with such a traumatic story to life for little kids to watch this and to know they could take care of things yeah you know
0: what I think I think you're so right you said something there that's quite insightful and I think I think you're right um about there are a lot of people that have attention on animals and the care and it hurts when they die and stuff yes. like that and but i i think what it is is that when people when friends when relatives get sick it's very hard to confront that yes it's harder than animals animals they can do it and care for the animals people it's i think it's hard and especially when you're dealing with you know drug-related incidents, you know? Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's very challenging. But Rhea and all the animals that are there, you got a little bunny. The bunny... Actually, it's it's a kitty cat, and her name's Bunny because her little ears are too short. Her ears are too small to be a kitty cat. So she likes to wear little hats that have bunny ears on them. So <laughs> she's Princess Bunny, and she's a little bit, there's a little bit of a Marilyn Monroe quality to her. There's a sort of a... I wouldn't say sexy, but it's a breathy quality because she's a prince
1: princess, uh, you know, kind of along that line. I am so looking forward to seeing this project come to life. I really <laughs> am. I just love what you're doing. Um, and you go online. I love something else. I-, I love everything about you. But I love what you do with your fans. You make yourself so accessible on social media. <laughs> you get an Instagram story every day. And one story I was looking at where you asked your fans what's an object or place that screams you and I'm going to ask you that question (laughs) an
0: object or a place that screams me um it's probably actually just my house the house that Bart built
1: yeah I've been to that house did you know that
0: answer it's like you almost knew the answer I I know it
1: because I've been to your home and I've seen your pride and joy and I know how you love your home or I should say there's a few little proper pieces of property on the property. Yeah, but people should
0: do that with their home. It should be a place that you really take the time to think even, you know, if you live in a just a studio apartment to make it a place that it, it that it is you. You take the care to find the right items and I have a very whimsical viewpoint about life. So, whimsy, roses, chandelier, you know fences.
1: i mean it's it's <laughs> chickens, really it's got just eight chickens. i know it's just the best place ever i love the house that bart built thank i really you. do and thank you for always inviting me to your charity events that you hold there you're so gracious you're you're just open you're open your world to everybody oh, Lisa, thank and it, you. it's really kind now before we go you've got to tell the stories about cheers uh, the audition <laughs> of cheers because honestly this you know, to me takes balls yeah, I think you know, it's the times that I thought out of the
0: box that actually I can I can name the things that I got that I didn't do what was expected. And as an artist, it's like the the producers and writers and creators of that show are they want you to have they want you to solve their problem. They're trying to cast this part and they're looking for something and someone who does something that surprises them the it girl or the it guy. yeah that's right yeah so uh the character at the end when you you can you can pull it up and see the little scene that i was in but at the audition you know it, it's the same scene but at the at the end of the scene my character she actually um she's talking to um ria perlman and Rhea perlman says i like your choker and my character says I'm not wearing a choker, and she says you will be because she's referring to my fiance, who's a who's like a a A serial he's a crazy (laughs) lunatic that apparently has murdered people, you know. And so uh, they're a little concerned about my health and well being. So I said, I'm not wearing. You will be, and I say, oh, okay. And I turn around, and the character walks out the door. Now, typically, that would be the end of the scene, and they would say, oh, thank you, Nancy. Thank you for coming in. That was great. Okay, okay. Goodbye. Goodbye. No. I said, thank you. And I turned and I walked out the door.
1: She walked out the building, folks. Yeah, I got my
0: Volkswagen Beetle and I drove home. And when I got home, the phone was ringing and it was my agent. And first thing she says, was, what were you thinking? And the second thing was, you
1: got the job. (laughs) (laughs) It was pretty ballsy, right? Yeah, To just like take it method acting all the way, (laughs) right? All right, lastly, Yusef said that everyone should embrace their inner artists, which I believe you might have just said here, because we all have, you believe, a little artist inside of us. Yeah. And so now you're actually dabbling in the art world, or yes or no? Yeah, absolutely. Tell us a little bit about that.
0: Well, gosh, thanks. Um, I'm going to have an exhibition... Uh, it will be in the fall. Uh, it'll be, you know, you'll, you'll find out more about it then, but it'll be in downtown, and I'm, I'm sure that I will be doing it and promoting this on my own podcast and maybe come back. Come back, back. here. Yeah, Please I'd love do. to. It's, But it is... Well, you know, you've had one gallery showing, yes? Well, that wasn't, it wasn't so much an exhibition for me. That was actually a gallery opening, and I was, gosh, I was asked to participate in that. That art was, I was learning how to do this style of art. That you're going to see at this exhibition, it's a little controversial, and it's not what you're going to expect from Nancy Cartwright, you know, voice of Bart Simpson. Well, that's and all good these characters. though. Yeah, it's very different, and it's a social issue. It's it's a, it's a social commentary about our culture, and it's about specifically it's about children, and it's it's just about how uh, how our culture is being. It is
1: evolving into very much a drug influenced culture. And you really have uh, some interest in this now that you're a grandma or a grandma.
0: Well, and and also I lost I lost a brother to a, a drug overdose oh, too. Oh, I didn't know so, that. Yeah, and so it's personal to me. And ah. I'm I'm just putting this out there because I feel it hasn't. It's not being talked about in the way that it should be talked about. And I care. And it's just it's painful knowing that. I have a granddaughter, and I look at these young kids that have the opportunity to grow up and, and make their dreams come true. But if they're being influenced by too much of um, too much of texting and and they're not having a childhood distraction, and, and especially um, drugs under the guise of help. When it's not really helped.
1: You're talking prescription drugs as well? Prescription drugs yes. e-
0: and even opioids, because opioids. Well, what do you mean the, even? Those are the worst. Oh my gosh. Those are the worst. Because the intention is to take away pain. You, and I, I understand purposes
1: of medication.
0: Don't misunderstand me. Well, you there can have are a non, problems. You can have
1: a non-narcotic uh, painkiller. Absolutely. I take them. When I'm in pain, I take a non-narcotic. Yeah. They work. But the the program, the mind, is programmed differently. And yeah. you're trying to change that a little I guess, with your art, yes? Yeah. Good. So tell us where everyone could go to your website and they can find out all Nancy.
0: <laughs> just my name nancycartwright.com is my website but there will be a specific website for the art um, that we're establishing because this isn't till so just fall. go
1: to nancycartwright.com you'll be routed and you'll, there you'll be routed there and you can find or out follow me on yes. all the platforms tell you them know?
0: yeah Nancy Cartwright you can just I'm the original I got the little check mark there yeah. I'm
1: like certified you can see me I'm, I'm qualified people <laughs> yeah you are you are definitely qualified and go to Netflix people and watch in search of Fellini it's really really an interesting movie and especially if you're a movie buff it's one of those kind of things that you really must see Nancy I love you and thank you so much <laughs> thank you I didn't even, even ask her to do Bart Simpson did you notice no, that no I'm Crystal? not going to do it for you Lisa no, I'm never out of here I would have never you to no. do Bart no uh-uh. okay don't have a cow I didn't man nobody okay? saw me do it you can't prove anything <laughs> I love you and thank you thank you